Wow, it took its sweet time to go live this time, but welcome back. Thank you for sticking with us. We are now officially into season three, but hey, all you crazy sci-fi and fantasy fans, it's time for your daily dose of shenanigans over here at the Blasters and Blades podcast. Just three nerdy veterans geeking out over our science fiction passions and fantastical fantasies, a place where magic is king, the sky is the limit, and space is the place. We are the podcast that puts the fun in dysfunction. And without further ado, before we introduce our guest, Doc, so how does it feel to know this is season five for you? Two of us, uh, the shenanigans, and now season three of uh, Blasters and Blades. I don't Did know. you feel like you wasted half a decade? Um, <laughs> I don't think I wasted Loaded it. question. Loaded question. Yeah, it's weird because like a like, loaded question. I I think I'm supposed to say no. Getting to know you has been the best time of my life. It's weird because like we talk offline about personal stuff that we both don't put out there about our kids and life and whatever. And so I feel like we've watched each other's kids grow up in the last five years, and it's like, crap. It's time flies. Oh no, so. mine had his first zit today. He comes in and he goes, "Mom, there's a bruise on my head or something." <laughs> Poor kid. Oh yeah. No. Uh, all right, and so now uh, we're going to let our guest introduce himself. So, Michael J. Allen, can you please introduce yourself to our listeners and viewers? Sure. Um, I'm Michael J. Allen, Star-Lord, Goofball, Crackpot, and USA Today bestselling author of Multilayer, Character-Driven, Full-Spectrum Science Fiction Fantasy. <laughs> That's a lot. Like I said that a few times. <laughs> Yeah, so the next part of the introduction, dear I, listeners. I thought Full Spectrum was a great way of saying, I write everything. I, I it's, Yeah, it's, I'm just nuts. It's a nicer way of saying Project ADD, right? Yes. Or genre or, or, was, or, or genre, genre fluid, fluid. Okay, I like that one, one you use, Doc. Does that mean I get to wear a bow? Yes. <laughs> always wear a bow, dear. <laughs> so the next part of the introduction, dear listener, is we get to tell you how we first found them. So before we do that, I got to ask, are there really people who don't know who this award-winning author is? How is that even possible, Doc? I mean, very easy. Because there's lots of wonderful people, but you've probably been hiding them under a rock. Oh, the rock was the problem. Got the memo this time. We'll do better next time. No, no, no. Lots of people know who Michael J. Allen is, but he doesn't get out very much. So they know who he is. They know his work, but they don't necessarily know him and his face. Does that fair, make sense? Fair. I avoid people too. Or his so vest. I get it. Because he yeah. does wear a lot of vests. They're very nice. Do, but... do you wear the uh, Declan Finn bright, bright side, orange? Right now. No, he wears tasteful clothes, actually. <laughs> and as a matter of fact, I've got a brand new cane for shows. Ooh, fancy. Supposed to be here tomorrow. It's got a, a, a bright pewter D20 with, on it with hopefully the one on top because, you know, I'm I'm now running into fans quite literally. Well, you so know, they can so wear like a the... badge of honor. There are people who still brag about <laughs> Anne McCaffrey running over their foot in her motorized wheelchair. So, so does it have like the cool insert where it's got like the the tube where you can pour like liquor in it or a sword inside it? Because that would be cool. Um, so I already have a sword cane that goes back. I think it's like 1940s. Um, you can tell because it's old and rusty and faded, but has a much longer sword than most of the new ones. But as I needed something that I could fly with, um, I chose to go with just a basic cane. Yeah, I get that. Sadly, those uh, sword canes I looked into it are illegal in Virginia. Something about concealed weapons and blah, blah, blah. They get real finicky about that these days, Doc. 
you know what? That's because you live in Virginia. We live in the good old South. Virginia is technically the South, but we yeah, won't. Uh, we won't much deeper into the South. We live. This like is a this is also true. South. We're so far south that the only state below us is the one populated by Yankees who flew south. Oh, Florida. Okay. So, uh, Doc, how did you first find uh, Michael? Oh, gosh. How do we? Uh, it was a Liberty Con. Because I met him through you. Um, Several years ago now. Probably about, no, no. It was five years. I, I met him before I met you. So, it was at least five years ago now. Maybe. Maybe, maybe six. You know, maybe I've, so it would have been somewhere in the neighborhood of 2017. Yeah. yeah that's the I year before we right. met Don. Um, and, and she tried to get me drunk. I didn't try. I succeed. So, you know, well, we talked about. Actually, in this case, you failed. Well, you oh. Because I don't drink. So. No, not but that, I, okay. I almost never drink. drink. You didn't get drunk, but you did drink. You okay, know, you did that's drink notice. But so, so we talk about Liberty Con enough, Doc. You need to organize a panel, and we can get like a fireside chat on that con, just so people know what the heck we're talking about. Because I get a lot of Wait, email okay, questions. Organize a panel? Do you mean on our show about Liberty Con? Yeah, so we can like I, next time we get those questions, like what the heck is this Liberty Con everyone's talking about? We could just send them that episode link. Just, okay, like, well, here here's the thing. We're going to need a little bit of audience feedback so that they can tell me what questions they want me to answer. I'll, I'll post something in the Facebook group and we will go. All right, Doc, you got to ask him the important questions, the religion questions. He has been on the show, episode 71. If you missed it, go back and listen. But since he has, we mix the questions up just a little bit, Doc. So Stargate, Babylon 5, or Battlestar Galactica? Uh, Battlestar Galactica. Now, are you New Testament or Old Testament? <laughs> uh, I'm more. I am more Old Testament because I've always been a fan of Dirk Benedict, and when I was watching those, I was in my most impressionable years, and I wanted to be Starbuck. Um, okay, who but, didn't uh, want to be Starbuck? Well, I, well, in one generation or another, I don't know who didn't. I mean, it's. A, I, I have to admit, it's a tough call because I love Babylon Five too, particularly because they got their spaceship combat right. But I mean. Dark Benedict, all the way. I would definitely say Babylon 5 is the root of hard sci-fi in the mass media. Uh, normally, I would say Stargate because I love that franchise and the concept. Stargate but I also, is not hard sci-fi. I didn't say it was. Um, but I also really liked Battlestar Galactica. The only thing I didn't like about the, the box sets for it, of the original, because they, they didn't do this in the um, the, the new version of it because i wanted to expose my kid to the original nothing is labeled like episode one episode two like it was aired it's just blocks of two to three hours and i'm like how do i even like stop it like there's no stopping intervals so i have to commit to three hours to watch it i like no no give me like the episode block because that makes it easy to track and got the dvds yeah i got i got it at home i ordered it on amazon in the cylon head mine's in the cylon head yeah i've got the cylon head Oh, yeah. Apparently, I ordered the wrong one. I got to get the right one. We'll get together offline and I'll fix this. I've even had people try and buy the silent head off of me, and I'm like, no. Well, and and I've, got cool. the newer, I've got the newer versions too, but I won't. I, I still put the silent head up because you know I'm not get, ever getting rid of that. Back to the Stargate thing. I loved the movie. I couldn't get behind the show. Any of them? No, none of them. 
I loved all of it. Even Stargate Universe, which is much maligned. Look at you, Terry Mixon. <laughs> all right. All right. So the show was really good. I remember watching that one in the theater. That was it was pretty amazing. So. I, I enjoyed all the Stargate. But Stargate's kind of... Um, it's not really cozy, but it's a little campy. But I enjoyed it. It's definitely it. campy. Definitely a product of the era it was made. Yes. All right, Doc. Now the... I was say now. I started yeah. to wait for you. I thought you were going to say something important. I should have known better. So, <laughs> Conan the Barbarian, Willow or Labyrinth? Willow. Ooh, really? What do you it think was of the walk, new one? It was, I don't know that there is a new one. There um, is a new TV series. TV series. Well, I'm, I'm, remember, I can't see at this point. So, you know, uh, new TV series are not really helpful to me. Oh, I'm um, sorry, I forgot. It's okay. So I was watching a VHS of Willow that I had to rewind the tracking on twice during the watching on New Year's Eve between uh, 90 and 91. And it was during those rewind for tracking purposes that I, I drew the first two sketches that became my first ever book. Oh, so wow. Willow has a very special, very special place in my heart. On top of the fact that, that I'm just a huge fan of Val Kilmer, um, and particularly that, that kind of princely leather sliced um, sleeve jacket he has at the end of the movie. Um, oh, I, yeah. I just wish I could wear that, um, but too big. You so know, the new not many people can pull off his looks. No, no, not many can. So the series, the new series has gotten like sort of meh reviews not because it's po the political you normally slant everything for these days but it was more like people did not feel it honored the source material it was almost like they uh, some of the reviews i saw said it was like they were wearing the source material like a skin suit for nostalgia's sake and and nothing about the series made any sense um it well, had some of the same go ahead i have to admit that, I, that I'm kind of over handing over nostalgia bucks for no good reason. I've basically yeah. given up on reboots entirely because every one of them just seems like a grab for nostalgia bucks when there's so many good writers out there and so many new stories that we could be developing. Yeah, I agree. I definitely, I totally agree. There's such amazing artwork out there for people to work with that uh, I kind of want them to just if you have to go for nostalgia, at least pick something that really deserves to be rebooted because so many of the things that they're playing with are things that were just perfect. Just put them down, leave them alone, just appreciate them for what they are and walk on. Well, we've been hearing rumors of the last Starfighter um, sequel, not a reboot, but sequel for the longest time. And part of me just like jumps up and down inside because I'm so excited, but I've gone to so many reboots or so many, you know, late, way late sequels and been disappointed that I'm like, you know what? Just give me new stuff. I I, I don't wanna I don't wanna revisit these things and ruin my memories. Yeah, I I, would I definitely probably... have been well, I've been saying for a long time, please leave my childhood alone. It was traumatic enough the first time. I don't need you messing <laughs> with my favorite parts. So the Willow one wasn't a reboot. It was actually a continuation of the story, like the baby growing up. Um, I liked uh, the concept of doing that with The Last Starfighter because you could take the, the teenager from the show, like grow him up, 
and then you know his armada is rebuilt. But you're right, they probably mess it up. Did they did they at least bring Warwick Davis back for the Willow series? Which one was he? The the was he the little person? He's Willow. <laughs> yes, he came back, but his character was like all whiny and. On the one hand, it was a wannabe Gandalf where he knew everything. On the other, he just come across really whiny. So much for he my childhood. Yeah, he was a much stronger character in my memories of the show, but it's been years since I watched it. Well, shame on you. Go watch it. <laughs> okay. Go watch it with the kids. It's a good movie. There we go. We got plans for the weekend. So. Um, for those who don't remember or, uh, what is your favorite, what was your first love, sci-fi or fantasy? Actually, it's science fiction, despite the fact that I have more fantasy out. <laughs> but you have really good science fiction out too. I do. Uh, I do. And actually, um, we are about to relaunch the Scion series, um, <gasps> with a remastered version that I've been working on. Uh, we have, uh, we have some incredible. Incredible covers from J. Caleb Designs. Um, I've, we've got brand new three-dimensional models for all the starships in the universe, um, and uh, that are going on the covers. So now, you know, instead of using stock images like like most sci-fi covers, we're getting to use universe-specific covers. We've we've got them set up. We've got a, a shirt with the Cassiopeia on it. Um, didn't I get you one of these, Seska? I have so a keychain with the Cassiopeia on it. You you do, but we've got a Cassiopeia shirt that says "Sarcasm is a talent. You're not among the gifted." Um, <laughs> I like that. I love which is a line it. from it. It's a line from the books. So, I know. I mean, it, but I still it, it's love absolutely it. great. And and the models we're hoping to get uh, made into 3D models too. So we've got 3D models either like sell off the the 3D object files so that fans can print them themselves or whatever. Um, but you know, it's all just so that I can you know complete my Starship collection because I really am a huge sci-fi nerd, um, and I love collecting Starships. I've got uh, I've got a, actually got a Gunstar now. Um, I've got a Moya. Um, I finally got my hands on a Star Fury from Babylon Five. Um, I think the ol only one I'm still waiting to to get at a decent price is Nell from Battle Beyond the Stars. Okay. So and what for, for the real sci-fi nuts, they'll know what those ships are, and for not, oh well. If not, Google is your friend. They we need to educate them. They're missing out. So we might do panel. That's another idea. Some panels on sci-fi of the various eras. So like sci-fi from the '80s and fantasy from the '80s that we could talk about and nerd out. But what was your first memory of uh, engaging in speculative fiction? Engaging as a writer or engaging as as a, a partaker. As a partaker, just in general, I mean, if the first time you engaged was as a writer, then then that's what you would say. But um, can we qualify the original Star Wars as speculative fiction? Yeah, sci-fi, fantasy, yeah. it all counts. Speculative fiction okay, is just a larger well, umbrella. Well, then I was five, and it was my first ever movie in a the theater. I got to see Star Wars. So, so what is it about the umbrella that includes fantasy and sci-fi that you love? Oh, there's so much. Well, you've got you've got dragons, you've got starships, and 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 blasters, and in some cases, laser swords. You've got magic. You've got the ability to just 
just expand your imagination and, and look and, and find anything from, you know, and I'm going to, I'm going to chill a little for myself here, a cherry Coke addicted dragon, uh, a water <laughs> Phoenix, a dumpster mancer, you know, a pixie gunslinger. I mean, you don't have to stay in the box. There's, it, or if you do, the box is just so big, it doesn't matter. But on top of all that, one of the things that really drew me to science, science fiction and fantasy was the fact that it, it gives you, or me as a writer, or gave the old writers the ability to, to present social issues in a candy coating. So you're not only entertaining and you're not only getting to relax and expand your mind and, and imagine with these creators, but every once in a while we sneak in a little, you know, have you ever thought about wearing these shoes for a few miles? And, and I love that you're not only entertaining, but you, you have the option. And, and I've said this in, in actually in, in your panel, Seska, um, I'm not talking about preaching here. If you can tell what, what I'm sneaking in here, then I'm not doing my job. But the ability to expand people's minds, not just imagine, imaginatively, but into being able to look at things from somebody else's shoes, somebody else's point of view, is just so awesome. I mean, that's, that's a huge privilege. Okay. So uh, we talked a little bit about some of your childhood favorites and you're over the nostalgia thing because they keep butchering your childhood favorites. So if you could write in any of those franchises that you loved as a child, if you got the rights to do it, which one would you pick? Technically speaking, I already got that option. Um, the Back in 1986, Electronic Arts... Um, played producer for the first ever PC open sandbox uh, science fiction game. It was a game called Starflight. Um, and uh, was it last year? I actually got approached by the creators of the game to, to write in that universe. And yeah, there's no, so many last things. Because I remember you telling me about it right after it happened. Oh, man, I was, I was totally geeking out because... A lot of the creatures and the cultures that, that, that went into the Scion universe came out of Starflight. Well, Starflight, Elite, which is now Elite Dangerous in the newest version, and uh, the old Wing Commander Privateer. I mean, those three games basically formed most of my science fiction universes. Um, and I, we went, I went back to play the old, the old DOS game um, when, I, when I got the opportunity to write in there, and I was like, Oh yeah, I did steal this. Oh yeah, I stole this too. Well, that's where that came from. So it was just great fun. Um, other than that, it would be tough. It would be tough. Um, I mean, I've always loved Star Star Trek. Um, don't know that I want to to dip into the Star Wars universe. Battlestar kind of has a, a, a an arc that's finished for the most part. Um, there was a fun show that came out from the, the creators of Tron called Auto Man in the early okay. 80s. Um, and I did actually submit for um, when they wanted, they were looking for writers for Dark Crystal because I love Dark Crystal too. Obviously, they didn't pick me or you'd know about it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So how did your love of all things nerdy transition into you deciding that you wanted to write stories in those spaces? I didn't get the choice. It wasn't really a decision. 
Um, back to the Willow story. Um, I was I was watching Willow. For those of you who don't know anything about VHS tapes anymore, um, they would they would get loose in in the spindles, and you'd have to rewind them to get the tracking. Otherwise, all you were seeing was static. And so back in those days, I was I still sketched some. And on the first time while we were rewinding the tape, because yeah, we had to rewind forever. Um, I, I drew this little sketch of a, a warrior, a young mage apprentice, and an elf at a crossroads. Um, went back to watching my movie, had to rewind for tracking again, and then drew the same thing, except with them leveled up, basically. And when Willow was over, um, I wrote six chapters. I, I never knew I was a storyteller. I mean, now looking back at the, the way that everybody made me run D&D games and, and Gamble World games and cyberpunk games. I kind of understand why now that I really was trying to tell stories. I just didn't know it. Um, but but once I started and was sitting in like a sunken living room with a bunch of other teenage geeks gushing over the characters in my my first six chapters, you know, it, it was it was a worse addiction than than you know morphine. <laughs> okay, so. Were there any specific formidable moments you think that shaped the kind of stories you tell? Yeah, yeah, that's that's going to go back to some some ugly childhood scars. Um, one of the one of the themes that that I see a lot in in my stories is um, people trying to act without consequence. Um, and either believing themselves without without consequence or answer or making things so that they are in a position where consequence doesn't apply to them. Um, and of course, you know, I'm talking from the antagonist point of view for the most part. So we we deal with a lot of hope in the face of of people that or you know people that just don't believe the rules apply to them. Um, and I guess I've always been kind of a goody two-shoes about rules growing up because rule I've had to use rules to protect me. Okay. Stars. That's, Stars. that's, that's, that's a good deep, thing. I've got glasses on. You can't see. Yeah. Manly tears. Manly tears. All right, Doc. You get to ask your favorite set of questions, the ones you wrote yourself. That's because they're the best questions. No, I'm kidding. They're They're fun questions. So... Have you had any cool fan art yet? Yes. Of what? Yes. I've got a, I've got a couple of uh, fan art pieces for um, Raphael West from the Guns Underhill series, um, and I've got another one that is um, I want to say it's Alaric from Scion Universe. Okay. Cool. I, I don't know how to describe pictures that I, I couldn't possibly find in the next 30 seconds That's to show you. Fine. You can just say yes and that you love them. Um, oh, okay. Yes, I love them. <laughs> I bet if you go to his, his website, which we'll link in the show notes, and join his newsletter, at some point in the near future, he could probably dig those up and share them with his newsletter. Right now, I'm sharing the new art for for Scion Rising, the the, the new version of Scion. But, Even cooler. Uh, I I there's lots of reasons to join. Lots of reasons to join. All right, Doc. Okay, so what was it like the first time somebody asked you for your autograph? Um, 
enormously humbling because it was Brandon Sanderson. <laughs> okay, tell us more. So I was at Jordan Con. It was one of the first years that I was fully in, in fully published, fully on panels and whatnot. And I went to see Brandon. And I kind of have a love-hate relationship with Brandon, not with him himself, but but as a topic. Um, because every time I, I log in and watch one of his recorded courses from, from it's Bingham, Bingham. Anyway, from the university out in Utah, Bring I learn up. really cool things and immediately have to either write something new or go back and revamp something. Because I'm just so inspired by the lessons that, that I have to do something, whatever that is. So having having had him aggravate me and, and inspire me all at the same time, when when Sion of, uh, Sion of Conquered Earth, the first Scion came out, I was going to JordanCon, and I brought him the very first edition, very first printed, very first hardback of my first ever published book as a thank you for for aggravating me and teaching me all at the same time. Um, and, and Brandon was such a sweetheart about it. He was so nice, and he wanted to get a picture with it, and he absolutely needed me to autograph it. And he was going to put it on his brag shelf of all his students that have gotten published. Um, and I'll tell you, those are bragging rights. When, when I get to talk to the younger authors and they talk about this, that, and your thing, I'm like, trust me, you know, people at the top care about you down here at the bottom. They really do. And, and here's my, my story. I've got bragging rights because I'm on, you know, Mr. Sanderson's brag shelf. How awesome is that? Um, I've never seen the brag shelf or, but, but but I still believe it. Uh, I believe it. I am 100% certain. And he is a very sweet, nice guy. So He's definitely one I of my favorites, that. both as a reader and as a writer. We'll have to get him on the show someday. Just got to figure out how to track him down. Oh, that he has his compound. Good luck getting past his fans. Uh, well, we, we don't need him in person. He just got to appear on a screen. <laughs> so that makes it easy. Well, I mean, he's got a website. Send him an email. Never hurts to ask. You know what? I'll do that when the show is. When we're done recording today, people, you heard it here first. All right, Doc. Okay. So, have I can't believe I'm going to have you. Have you spotted somebody reading one of your books in the wild? Besides you? Yeah, you, you did do that one. <laughs> Yes, and, yes, and, I did. Fair disclosure, he has in the beginning of your career, you could see, right? Like that wasn't a thing yes, back then. Yes, I, I could see. Um, I could see with luck, I'll be seeing again. I just don't know. So, fingers crossed for you. Oh, yeah. Where I, I am enormously stubborn, otherwise, I wouldn't have managed to finish writing any book, let alone a lot of them. So, you know, I'm, I'm not giving up on me yet. Um, and I've been spending a good amount of time, um, researching where we are in bionic eyes. Which oh aren't great, but they would kind of make my life into the like the Ben Affleck Daredevil movie. Um, that would be cool. Do you get the suit? I well, I'm I'm sure Seth will have red, shop for leather. But you could rock the red. Yeah. Um, well, so my mentor took me around and introduced me to a really incredible um, vendor at DragonCon that makes custom leather like that. So I know I could get the leather made if I really wanted to, e even at my size. But I think I'd look a little like a Mord Sith, so maybe not. The whip's fun, though. 
Yeah. All right, Doc. Uh, change, change it up. Keep going. Next question. Okay. So, what is your weirdest or funniest fan interaction? Um. <laughs> so, my protege insisted that we go to GalaxyCon Columbus um, this last beginning of December. Uh, it was a show I'd never been at, and. I'm trying to move through the crowd because it was only the two of us. So, so he had to keep on the booth. And at that point I had a little more vision than I have now, but moving around the convention center was like being in a theater with the house lights on, but dim. So it was, I mean, I was really struggling. Um, and I, I'm trying to go around a corner to get over to another writer's booth um, for various reasons. It doesn't matter. Um, and I, I, I cut around somebody and um, ran into somebody i had my hands up because i was trying to keep from tripping um if those of you with an imagination can kind of guess where where we're going um with this but on top of it it happened to be um one of my newer fans in in cosplay so not cosplay of my stuff but just, but but in a uh, a a cosplay that does not require a lot of time to disrobe so um, oh Oh my! But, you know, I I had to mention that, that this is not my normal fashion of autographing, but but I'm happy to make my fans happy. <laughs> Hopefully, she had a sense of humor about it. <clears throat> she did. She did. Um, and I mean, it, it honestly wasn't a problem. And if I hadn't known her quite so well, I probably wouldn't have made the snarky comment about autographs. Um, <laughs> because I'm usually very prim and proper about such things. But in this case, she'd been around long enough that that you know. A little banter, a little general banter. She'd see me interacting with others. She knew I wasn't serious. Okay. Well, before we dig into the uh, the universe that brought us here, we're going to pause for a moment while we shamelessly shill for the man. Ho ho! Oh hell! Is that sleigh bells ringing in your ears or a few rounds from an M60? You wanted the jolly fat man to bring Yuletide joy, but the season has gifted you with a heartbreaker and a life taker. Badass Santa. Grab your eggnog and camouflage candy canes. Strap on your bulletproof holiday stockings and prepare for thrills and kills. From bloodstained rebellion at the North Pole to a black ops raid on a distant planet, these 18 action-packed tales will show you Saint Nick as you have never seen him before. It's all you'll want for Christmas. All right, thank you for sticking with us through that commercial interlude. It's probably the last time uh, for the till next Christmas that we'll be able to fit that into the rotation that commercial. But uh, good thing seasonal yeah. stuff you can sell yeah. year after year. May I? So, yeah, <laughs> that's right, kids. Coal is passe. If you're naughty now, Santa's got a five five six. Why didn't we think of that? Next time we have to come to you before we write our ad copy, and we'll, we'll see what we can get at it. 
know, that's actually <laughs> Doc, not, not an me. uncommon request for me. <laughs> I've been doing a lot of ad copy recently. Unfortunately, most of my snark is barracks rated, and so it's just not fit for general consumption. It's always funny. Uh, He's gotten much better in the five years we've been doing this on his barrack snark before because before I could tell he barrack snark was going to come out because he'd suddenly start stuttering <laughs> because he was trying to ed, figure out how to edit it and then he went through a phase of he'd just go um and stop talking at least I know it's not fit for everybody all right all right, so this is the part where we talk about everything that you have written, Michael. So tell us the uh, Reader's Digest version of the Michael J. Allen uh, body of work. Oh, gods. Um, okay, uh, Space Opera, the Scion series, four books out, about to be remastered. Um, Modern High Fantasy, Bittergate Dragon Revolution, two books out of four out. Um, but the third book, the characters aren't talking to me, so I'm coming back to it later. Dumpster Mancer, Urban Fantasy. Um, I think Dumpster Mancer says it all, to be honest. Uh, third book is about to come out, but we're going to run it as a Kickstarter early this year first. Um, the Blood Phoenix Chronicles, also urban fantasy. Um, Angels, for, Angels versus Fae, five books completed. Um, Guns of Underhill, alternate history epic fantasy. First book is already published. Second book is ready and out to, about to go out to alpha readers on my newsletter. Um, Delirious Scribbles, an assortment of completely random and insane short stories and, and novettas of various various items. Um, anthology stuff all over the place. Um, and we're going to talk about some of that in a minute. And we're talking okay. published, um, right? Just published? Yep. Yep. <laughs> that all sounds fascinating. But we wanted to uh, to bring you here to talk about the universe that is the Sam Bridger stories. So where did you get the premise for this, you know, sort of universe that expands past just one linear series? Oh, boy. Um, so so for Sam Bridger himself, it, it started with Big Trouble in Little China. Um, the, the character Jack Burton talks about himself in the third person and is generally kind of a, a God's gift, womanizing type personality who doesn't seem to care about anything. And yet he makes really flimsy excuses about why, why he's charging into danger and challenging um, like, you know, undead emperors and, and, and demon ninjas and whatnot. Um, and more than that, it just seemed like he didn't react the way he should have to these supernatural goings on. And that got me thinking, you know, what else is going on in this character's, with this character's life? And why is it so damned important when he says he's got insurance? To get his truck back. What is special about his truck that he's he's going to challenge these undead and, and sorcerers and to, to get a truck back? It just seemed like there was so much more to the story. Now you add that thought process to um, being kicked by my mentor to loosen up and just have some fun, um, and I came up with uh, basically the Wayman Chronicles universe or the Sam Bridger stories. Um, and it's, it's a ride and a half. Um, the Wayman Chronicles spans 11 universes. In fact, the tagline, which has been on my business card for years, cause I've been trying to sell it is the, the fate of 11 universes rests in the hands of a hapless trucker who can't read a map. Um, and in those 11 universes, I actually 
threaded in three or four of my other book universes. So I already had some world building done. I got to, to put them into different timelines of, of where we see the, the other book universes. But I obviously I knew a whole lot about those universes too. So it was kind of a shortcut, but it, it was also a nostalgia kick to anybody who'd read the other universes. Um, that's the basic idea. Next question. <laughs> okay, that is a good answer. So we have some of the art from those. So I wanna show those. Uh, where did you get the uh, the concept that is this art? Like, what is the story of this? And then we'll show the next one in a minute. Right now we have okay, uh, Crossways, the, Way the Wayman Chronicles cover on right now. Okay, so that's the book. Um, and, I, and I have one of those too. Um, so the concept behind the art is in fact the Big Trouble and Little China movie poster. Okay. I know that's a simple answer for me, but that's that's the answer. Okay, well, let's uh, look at the other cover, which is the Stolen Knight cover, which um, I'm sure will be on it when you release the story when the rights revert before next year. Right, so, exactly. so, um, so, Stolen, so Stolen Knight is part of the Sleigh Bells Ring anthology that was the sponsor's ad earlier. Um, and Stolen Knight is special to me. Um, I mean, they're all special, but this one... So if you look at the, the byline on, on this cover... And yes, this art is for after you know I get my rights back and I get to put this out. This says it's a Sam Bridger story, but it also says it's a Mo Mobius core story. Um, now, Sam Bridger lives in a universe that, that overlaps um, Eleven. Basically, well, we'll come back to that. But the other character on the cover, the young man, is is a is a character called Mobius, uh, I'm sorry, is called a Mobius agent. He's actually a cadet in this story named Alden Mobius because all of the agents in the Mobius Corps have the surname Mobius when out. He has an innate sense of time and space. Alden has been showing up in every single book I've written and published since the beginning, every single one. And I have still been waiting for some reader, and it did finally happen recently, to come up and go, who is this guy and what is his story? And so for Stolen Night, not only did we get to play with, you know, Barbarian Santa um, and give him a good reason for being basically, you know, Santa the Barbarian, but I got to explore the, the world of the Mobius Corps. And when Alden got into trouble, the only person that it made sense for him to run into and get help from was good old Sam Bridger. Because adding Sam Bridger to the story meant we went from, you know, a tense kind of thriller mil military op idea to um, just abject craziness. Because Sam has got luck like nobody's business, and it's generally all for going making things go bad. Um, but he's almost he's almost Teflon. He's almost untouchable at the same time. Okay, that's. Uh... An interesting way to do it, and I like the art. Um, I'm going to while Doc asks her question, we're on 20. Doc, I'm going to zoom into parts of this so you can see what he's talking about. Uh, something for everybody. The ladies can look at the the man so chest. We and we're not talking about specific novel. We're talking about the universe, right tonight, Jr. Yeah. So well, so let let me preface real quick, Seska. Um, so Stolen Night came out first in Sleigh Bells Ring. And it is chronologically the first Sam Bridger story that's currently out there. 
Okay. Um, and the next one is Carpe Dentum, which came out in, it, it came from, well, hold on, blind guy groping. So, so, so uh, Carpe Dentum came out in, it came from the trailer park too. Okay. That's the Sam Bridger story that also combines uh, characters from one of the Delirious Scribble stories I did called a dream called Dreams of Treasure, which is about a mama mimic trying to create the, the best mimic child ever. Well, um, that's scary if you ever roll dice. Yeah. So if you had to well, do a 30-second elevator pitch for this universe, what would that elevator pitch be? Big Trouble in Little China meets Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy in a satirical space fantasy where not quite villainous forces threaten to destroy our universe and our hero, Sam Bridger, busies himself saving everything and everyone but the world. <laughs> well done. It's like you practiced this. Well, that actually is an extended pitch. So, yeah. <laughs> but like it, it. it covers the whole universe. So, so what stories do you, what uh, tropes do you really hit on with this? Obviously, like, the big thing in Little China. I've never actually seen that movie, so. Okay, shame. Um, it, it's bad and campy, so it should be right up your alley. Um, it so sounds tropes. like a perfect evening in. It, it, honestly, it, it really, I, I really enjoyed the movie. I mean, it's, it's old school 80s, so that means... That both Jack Burton and my Sam Bridger, they are men of their time. They're they're a little bit chauvinistic, but but not meaningfully so. Um, that was one of the fun things about Sam. Other tropes in in this book, um, we start off with a scene, and I'm not going to tell you the details of the scene, but we start off with a scene that that teaches you right off the bat that I am not going to let you guess. I, I am going to keep switching up constantly and randomly. So, until you are so baffled by what's going on that you're just going to sit back and enjoy the ride. Um, the main story of it, trope-wise, is a standard scavenger hunt. Except once Sam Bridger finds out about the scavenger hunt, he throws the whole thing out of the out of out the window. So we abandon the scavenger hunt um, halfway through. We've got um, let's see, um, people doing bad for good reasons. Um, we've got uh, bad undermining, bad for good reasons. We've got trust issues. Um, we've got some some marital stuff. Um, we've got some unrequited love. Um, let's see, I, I, there, there's just this is the this is like the kitchen sink of of storylines. Um, you know, Sam gets. Uh, Sam ends up uh, picking up uh, a hitchhiking grandma minotaur that, that's um, smuggling weapons of mass destruction. Uh, he gets abducted by a desert princess. He gets hit in the back of the head by a clownfish. Um, he, he, he's kidnapped twice, I think. He ends up uh, accidentally um, getting a stowaway of a wizard from a, social, uh, a feudal socialism world, one of the worlds that I don't have published yet who ends up in Las Vegas with chance magic and a uh, Sinatra fetish. Um, I, I've got a, a cyborg dwarf auditor that's, that's basically trying to, to prove that he can kill Sam. Um, we, we've got, you know, old rivals come back 
it's it's a mess. It, it's it's a deliriously wonderful mess. That's a ringing endorsement, and we'll take it. <laughs> deliriously wonderful mess. Uh, so it sounds like it fits into kind of all the subgenres one might want it to fit in, and if it's not this story, maybe the next story does. Well, it it does. So eleven universes, right? And we we do not reveal all of them. We do reveal that Earth, which is called eleventh universe, was considered the biggest waste of magic and technology ever perpetrated by a governing body. The point was that these universes and these upper, upper echelons wanted cool stuff from the other universes, but most of the universes are physically antagonistic to each other. So they built a hypoallergenic world where they could cross, where they could transit cargo through it, hence the crossways that are built for that purpose. But humans were an accident. But rather than exterminate us completely, they hired us as truckers because we can go anywhere and not get sick. Um, one universe is the Natalian universe, which comes from my uh, Tears of the Master series, which isn't published yet. Um, the Dorsen universe is basically uh, a solid sand bar with uh, little balls and sticks, straws inside of it where people live. Um, so it was like Tinker Toys um, inside a sandbar. Um, the Quiss universe is solid water with no atmosphere anywhere. Um, to wean is what happens when somebody challenged me to put a cartoon world among the 11 ones, the, the 11 universes. Um, so basically everybody there wears gloves, they have outsized body parts and uh, the colors make your head hurt. Um, one of the other universes is fair. Fair is also, is, uh, the universe that, that, uh, the guns of Underhill exists in. Um, uh, there's the, the. We don't have the name of the universe in the books, but basically the Scion universe is in there, and that's where our dwarf cyborg auditor comes from. Um, and there's a destroyed universe, which basically looks like what happens when you nuke Dr. Seuss. Um, there's a lot in there. <laughs> you know, So I've got fantasy worlds in there. I've got sci-fi worlds in there. I've got cartoon worlds in there. So yeah, um, if we open this thing up like, like we're talking about for, for more writers, you can pretty much find wherever it is you love somewhere. Okay, but can you figure out who framed Roger Rabbit? <laughs> uh, All right. the, general, the general rule of thumb is Sam Bridger did it. <laughs> so speaking of Sam Bridger, what can you tell us about him since he seems to be one of the pivotal characters? What makes him unique in the crowded field of speculative fiction? He really is something of a buffoon, but he and, and like Jack Burton, he seems very, very superficial. But there's so much more to him than that. Um, and yet, he just—you just can't get him down. He's like a weeble wobble. Um, huh. You can you can knock him over as many times as you want, but but he just gets up with a grin and, and just kind of you know, if he had long hair, he'd flip his hair over his shoulder and go, "Well, that was fun. What next?" Um, you know, he gets, a, again, he, he gets, he gets kidnapped by, or, he, um, he ends up with, uh, the, the grandma with the, the weapon of mass destruction. And when he pulls the gun on her, finally, and it's a thunder stick for those of you who, who want yet another pop culture reference, mildly twisted. Um, he pulls the gun on her and goes, 
I now I need to know one thing, Grandma. Why does this keep happening to me? And that pretty much sums up Sam Bridger. You find out in different parts that you know he's he's made mistakes and driven into people's swimming pools because he mistook a crossway. You know the the, the signals for uh, for what should be marking a crossway would just happen to be somebody's backyard fence. I mean, oops, he is. He's, he's what happens when, when you know, Lady Ch Chance and Lady Fate um, go on a tear and are betting each other that they can torture a character more. Okay. Were there any secondary characters in this sort of universe that is the Sam Bridger sort of story that you that were stuck out to you? There, there definitely are, and, and at least a few of them ended up on the Crossways cover. Um, one of my favorites, and what seems to be becoming an actual reoccurring um, I guess trope for me is uh, there's a there should be a young lady um, sitting uh, to her side on the front cover. Um, that is Bob. Um, Bob is a mechanic, and Bob has a serious thing for Sam Bridger. Um, okay. I say that it's becoming a trope because in Guns of Underhill we have Alex, who's a gunsmith, who has a serious thing for Raphael West. Um, I apparently like female engineers. Um, having an engineering background myself, I guess I find that very attractive. Though, to be fair, my, my very first movie crush was um, Jordan from Real Genius, who, again, was an engineer. <laughs> I mean, Firefly gave us an awesome engineer, too, just saying. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So it's, it's hard between Booth's, between Booth's overalls and... Uh, no, Booth was. I'm sorry, hey, Jordan's Nancy overall Parker was an engineer, but she did some engineering stuff. So, so between between um, Jordan's between Jordan's overalls and uh, Kay Kaylee's coveralls, yeah, apparently I just like grease smeared. I don't know. Take that for what do you want? All right. Uh, before this becomes not family friendly, we're going to move on. And what about the bad guys? It sounds like with the episodic nature of this universe, there's going to be sort of a different one for every episode. But is there an overarching bad guy? Uh, there is. Um, there, There is. There's actually um, a couple layers of bad guy when it comes down to it. Um, I don't want to go too much into the spoiler categories here. Um, Absolutely. We don't want you to. You know what? There, there's just not a lot I can say without spoiling several different factors. So I'm going to say, yes, there are there are some definite antagonists that are that are memorable and that are going to be sticking around for a while. Um, and of course, we also have the dwarf aud auditor Alabaster Rocks, um, who, while not a big villain, is definitely antagonizing Sam. Um, he saved the world, or Sam saves the world, obviously, because otherwise the book would be over because the world is gone. Um, and uh, the auditor still suspended Sam, but he gave him three days off his suspension for saving the world. Um, I mean, that seems fair, three days, you know. <laughs> I mean, it's a nice so, thing. He was better. It's a better thing to you than most mundane jobs would give you. This is true. doing a stellar job in saving the day. That was the uh, the running joke where that you know your body like body you know body is like bloodied on the floor and so your boss is like you're still coming in tomorrow though right <laughs> exactly in a lot of the movies yeah. so 
as authors, we tend to do a lot of horrible, dirty, nasty, no good, rotten things to our characters. So if Sam Bridger knew who you were, you were Michael J. Allen, the writer of his world, the person who has tormented him so, how do you think that would interaction would play out if he met you in a dark alley? Actually, for Sam Bridger, he'd take me out for a beer. Oh, I was not expecting that. Okay, go on. He, he, he is that ju- he's just that kind of character. Um, he, you know, you can shoot him, you can stab him, you can hit him, hit him upside the, the, the head with a fish and everybody is, is his brother. Um, it, it, it's one of the things that really makes him a wonderful character. Um, we do see him lose his temper once or twice, but, but even so it's, it's like, um, like flash paper or, or burning gunpowder. It's a quick, hot flash. And then it's back to normal. Okay, I like it. All right, Doc, next question is yours. Are you knitting again? Um, so I well, I mean, he's told us so much about the world and what can we but what more can we expect from it? So you we know okay. you have several anthologies and you've talked and you've talked about it, but are you going to write up your own personal novel in here? So there are right now two more anthology novettas planned. And mm-hmm. I, I, so when I first did the Crossways project, and I, I think I wrote it back in around 2007 or so, I had never tried to write humor before. Um, and I never tried to just cut loose and just enjoy whatever the heck happens. Um, I was a little bit more dogged in my plotting. Um, and when I was done with Crossways, I was 99% sure I would never be able to pull off this kind of thing again. That there was just no way I could ever do Sam Bridger and, and the universe that I built credit. Um, and that was pretty much the philosophy until um, Sleigh Bell's Ring came along. Um, and then uh, Trailer Park. And well, partially also when I got the contract for Crossways. Um, and then I, I was like, okay, well, it's been a while. I'm doing better. I'm getting better at humor and that sort of stuff. You know, Sam needs some extra stories to, to, to flesh them out because there's a lot of stuff in the, in the Crossways book that refers to things, mishaps and whatnot that have happened in the past. And, and that seemed like such fertile ground. But even so, I, I really intended Crossways as a single book that probably wasn't going to be a series though i did leave a few threads loose just in case and at this point um we're going to start working with those threads so i've got two new novettas that are in brain obviously with with my vision loss recently it's becoming harder and harder to write fast so i don't know when we're going to do those um but one of them is for an anthology that i know i'll get into because i'm going to be the one editing it Uh, the other one is probably going to be just a reader magnet for the universe. But there is another novel coming. Um, I know the very basics of it at this point, but not much else. Um, and again, uh, the Three Ravens Publishing, which was nice enough to finally publish Crossways, we've been talking about making it an open world. There are a lot of drivers. There are a lot of crossways, you know, depots throughout the 11 universes. 
There are even a couple of universes I purposely haven't designed yet just so I can make whatever the heck I want. So I think this kind of tongue in cheek thing would be fun to let other people into and just kind of expand. Um, yes, only, only two novetas. For a second there, I thought there was a third, but so I definitely have two planned. Um, I may try to figure out one for one of your other anthologies that are coming up, Chair. Um, okay. I don't know. Right now I have five books in final stages that need to be released and I need to get them there without being able to see them, which is a trick and a half. Um, so, yeah, kind of hands full at the moment. Sounds like you've got oh, a busy time planned. Well, and I just picked up another contract um, for ultimately a novel and a short story for Novetta. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a little busy, um, which is good. It's, it's absolutely wonderful. It just would be a little less frustrating if I could actually see what I'm typing. I definitely understand that. Um, so every universe has its own, in, um, literary universe has their own internally consistent rules of science, tech, and magic. So what can we expect from the Sam Bridger worlds as far as technology goes? Okay, so remember I said there had to be something about Jack Burton's truck that he was willing to basically charge into hell to get it back? Right. So each of the trucks has what's, what we call a passport. The, the passport is uh, basically a, a Tron light lit Frisbee embedded in the dashboard. It has some spider arms and some other stuff. And its job is to manage the truck itself. The passport allows for a truck to traverse crossways between universes. But part of its job is to control the change field, which actually shape shifts the truck, its cargo holdings, everything else, including anybody dumb enough like Sam who just had to touch, um, any person who puts a body part into the change field. Um, so we're going to see more passports. Uh, that we found out late in crossways that something much more interesting about the passports themselves. Uh, I'm going to tell you there is something interesting to learn about them. It's something that Sam Bridger doesn't know um, until very late um, and doesn't believe when he learns it. So that that tech is going to come back. Um, we The whole purpose for the Crossways and 11th World was to get wealthy people cool noshes and ice displays or whatever from other universes. So you can pretty well guarantee that there's going to be, you know, political nonsense to play with. Um, because the the Crossways Transportation Corporation is funded through the United Planes Organization, organization which is basically all the leaders of these different worlds, they're always under budget. So anything we're going to see in the universe, you're, you're going to have things breaking down. You're going to, you're going to have um, CD pickups. You're going to have drivers trying to smuggle without getting caught so that they can just keep their rigs running. Um, in addition to that, we have the big antagonist, which that's all I'm going to say. And then we have another antagonist who is running an under-the-table comp competitor to Crossways Transportation. So you're going to have some piracy. And some 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 highway hijinks, you know, roving battles. Um, one of the the fairly consistent rules 
Also is that the crossways trucks, the, the official ones, are not allowed weapons. So even though the, the passport can shapeshift the, the truck into pretty much anything, it's not allowed to shoot back. Um, so those are the rules that, that come off the top of my head. Um, you're not allowed to take um, pick up and take water out of Quist without it going through uh, customs because they want to make sure that none of the, the microbe life forms in, in their ecosystem leave with the water. Um, the uh, Dorsinian um, uh, um, uh, government system is uh, matriarchal run tribes um, where men are not allowed to show their face and they're not allowed to speak and generally they're executed out of hand for the slightest frac uh, infraction. Um, I'm sure there's so much more. I'm sure there's so much more. So you've, you've talked a lot about the truck. So if you could have one for your everyday use, would you take it? Oh God, yes. Oh God, yes. And I know the secret secret of getting it to behave itself and not steal itself while I'm sleeping in the sleeping. <laughs> so um, absolutely. Oh, I'm, I, you know, shape-shifting car that can go anywhere in any terrain in any universe. Oh, hell yeah. So what? how would you abuse that? How do I abuse that? Yeah. Um, well, okay, so I'm a writer. So by definition, I'm evil. Um, and I think if I had that kind of power, it would definitely be an abuse thing. So imagine for a moment a vehicle that you could drive up and swallow an armored car whole. And have it shape shift around it so that there's nothing it can do. It can't move. It can't spin. Nobody can get out. Nobody can get in. And it, it's got thick walls. It can't do signals. Um, and then I can transform my, me and my, my, my passenger into a submarine, usually daffodil yellow, just for the record, and go underwater where nobody, can, where nobody can find me. Or if I'm getting chased, I can turn into a jet or a space fighter. I, I mean... I, I could I could rob banks. I, I could move troops. I could smuggle guns. Well, what um, would you do with it? What would I do with it? Probably all of those. I'm a writer. I'm evil. If I had that kind of power without consequence, hey, I'm seeing a theme here. Um, <laughs> I would probably become a villain. This is why I don't ever run for any kind of office because I know I'm corruptible. <laughs> Fair enough. At least he's honest, Doc. Do you, what? I said at least he's well, honest. All those years sitting sitting in the reactor control room of, of a nuke submarine and us debating all the various things that a bunch of smart people in a room that don't have anywhere they can go or anything they can do. I mean, you can imagine we plotted out what we do in Groundhog Day. We, we plotted out what we do. Shoot, at nuke school, me and my, my dorm mates figured out how to rob a bank by irradiating the sides of it to make it soft enough to get into. And all that was was study for our, our radio, radioactive decay exams. I mean, I mean, yeah, I'm I'm it corruptible. It is very predictable decay. Yeah. So you know, different particles at different materials create different react reactions. You know, and we figured out that you needed at least three three bombardments to get a fast enough decay rate to create a soft spot. I'm not going to go any more into that because I'll get in deep trouble. Um, <laughs> But, but you know what? What happens when you get a bunch of bored, smart people in a room? Convention and military attack. Oh yeah. Well. 
There is that. So, do you have any aliens or fantastic creatures in this? I mean, I see them on the cover, but can you tell me a bit about some of them? Okay. Um, so, technically speaking... That's, that's your censoring everybody, and voice. Yeah, everybody in the 10 universes is an alien to Earth, the 11th world. Um, but we have some actual space aliens. Um, we have crystalline entities in two universes. Um we have uh, so Dorsen, they're ba they're they're base humanoid. Quisian are more um, mermish in a lot of ways because it's an all world water world. Um, in the in Fairth, that's my Guns of Underhill universe, so they're not aliens so much, but you know that's a that's a fantasy world. So there's elves and uh, there's there's elves in wood, silver, gold, and, and jeweled mecha. Um, and, 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 and Dwarven freedom fighters and, and, and gnome, gnome, uh, uh, mechanics again, just like in, in Fay West. Um, obviously the Rhyloxian dwarf auditor, he's, he's from an alien planet that in the Scion universe is actually still developing, um, technology. They're, they're like, iron, I guess, Iron Age at that point. Um, as we expand out into the universe, I'll get to tap into, um, the uh, the various Scion cultures and worlds that I, I built for that universe. One of the things that uh, Alabaster very seriously talks about was the um, the giggle dust butterfly invasion of whatever year it was, where his people had to defend against the the butterfly humanoids that that spit uh, basically LSD pixie dust. Um, so that's pretty alien right there. Um, so what did, you did I mention mm -hmm. that I threw the rules out for this one? <laughs> yeah, I'm starting to wonder what inspires you to make some of these creatures, though. Or like, do you use a template or just randomness? Well, so I like to. I like. To, I usually start in with, the deep dark room. I, I wish. I usually start. Well, okay. Don't give me the Frankenstein. Frankenstein Laboratory because I will. Um, actually, you've read you've read uh, Blood Phoenix, right? So you yeah. you met Bradley, mm -hmm. the metallurgical examiner that takes troll marrow to start creating zombies, zombie fighters out of out of his morgue. Yeah. Um, usually, the creatures start with an ecological niche because any niche you can you can develop will have something fill it. Um, when I was much, much, much younger, I tried to be a, an artist, but all I ever really drew was monsters and creatures um, until my mother kept burning them because they were demon-possessed. Um, and then I just kind of gave up being an artist because what was the point if everything gets burned? Um, so, yeah, childhood, yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I'm basically like like uh, Skywalker Creature Creations, but in a brain. Um, anything I can think of. If somebody once said that you couldn't possibly have an alien species that had um, asymmetrical limbs, and I went, oh, really? Let me see if I can develop that so that it makes sense. Yeah. So I just love pushing be... the envelope. I love taking old myths and twisting them. Um, take, take, um, oh, God, there's so many good examples. Um, I'll, I'll, take, I'll take a mythological creature 
from something um, like pixies. Pixies are good ones, the very basic one. But across my various worlds, I've created uh, Rixies, which are vampiric fire pixies. Um, and I mean like vampiric, like real vampires. They're, they were in one of the worlds, they were the, the source for the rumors on vampires. But I won't do vampires because for the most part, because I, I think there are too many vampire stories and I don't want to be part of that. I always want to do something different. I always want to twist and bend and, and warp whatever I touch, at least a little bit. Um, <laughs> I can understand Because that. I'm twisted and warped and bent a lot, not a little bit. Um, well, Uncle Sam does that to all of us. I so, think I had a head start. Maybe. So normally we would have asked the veteran questions. I didn't realize you served, so I apologize. Next time we have you on, we'll definitely ask those questions. But uh, it sounds like well, you, you were... Uh, okay, well, I... I messed up then, and I apologize. Well, I just mean that so, they're on the other interview, so go back and watch that. Yep. There you go. Hey, viewer, go back and watch episode 71. There you go. We even told you where to start. So you said, I think he said 71. I'm, I'm taking yeah, his word. I will, I will link it in the show notes. So there we go. I will link his other appearance so you can go back and listen. What age range would you say most of the stories sit at? Okay. Uh, Bittergate Dragon Revolution is safe for 12 and up. Oh, by the way, I have also added a content page, content advisory page on my website. And all of the new books coming out have a QR code that takes you there. And that, that content advisory page is being curated by my readers. Basically, they come and tell me if I need to add something to a given entry. Um, so Bittergate Dragon Revolution is safe 12 and up. Uh, Scion and Scion Rising will be edgy YA at about 15 and up. Dumpster Mancer, he's got a mouth on him. I wouldn't go any lower than 18. Um, it's not like there's anything really horrible in that series, but he, he really, he has got military mouth all over the place. Um, I like that Blood term. <laughs> uh, Blood Phoenix Chronicles, uh, that's new adult for the most part. I have had a couple 16 year olds pay an interest and I kind of cringed a little bit, but you know, I warned their parents and at that point it's no longer my job. Um, that one has, I mean, that one's LGBT. Plus, I'm the whole the whole letters. Um, I, I can never remember the whole sequence of the letters. Um, it's just too many acronyms in my head for military. Um, and and that has a, a little bit of playtime in it, so I definitely keep it towards new adult. Uh, Guns of Underhill, what or Faye West from Guns of Underhill? That's probably twelve and up. Um, it it was it was one of my traditionally published. Um, series, so it was much cleaner um, than, than maybe some of the other ones. Scion, of course, is cleaner because I made up my own language and, and made up my own curses, including I can't say that without getting fired from my day job. I'm going to move on. Um, Crossways. Crossways, I'm going to go with probably edgy YA also. Um, there are a few things that are a little racy. Um, for example, uh, the uh, Sam Bridger and and the various uh, crew members for the scavenger hunt all get shapeshifted into Bob's body. So there are five Bobs there, and uh, Sam Bridger decides that it's a great opportunity to know what it's like to be a woman, much to Bob's chagrin and screaming. Um, uh, I will say, just for the record, for those who are a little sensitive about that, that Sam actually learns his lesson on this one. Um, this is one of the main catalysts for his character change. So while we, we do have a little Sam fun with it, um, it's not too, too bad. 
Um, and it's it's the catalyst for Sam shedding his 80s man misogynistic ways, if you will. Um, because all the 80s action heroes had that whole, hey, baby doll thing. Um, uh, most of the anthologies are going to be clean because I'm, I'm working in somebody else's publishing house. So they should be good. Um, some of the short fiction, there are a couple that you need to check out the, the content advisory on because I don't shy away from in-world truth. If, if the villain is a villain and this is the kind of villain he's doing and he would you know, slice up your arm to torture you, then I, I may hate it, but he's going to slice up your arm to torture you. Um, and all of the various in-world truths that can be um, imagined from that idea. It's actually on my website. Look, this is what I'm going to do. I'll try to warn you about it ahead of time, but I'm not going to cheat my readers by giving them a, a Wizard of Oz skipping down the, the yellow brick road with it without a wicked witch and some man-eating trees. You know, you just, nobody wants to read that anyway. They, they want the story to be real and the heroes to actually have to fight for it, not to just be handed easy peasy, you know, Care Bear villains. Okay, Sorry. that's fair. No, no, totally understand. So, um, clearly the interview is winding down. It's okay. So clearly the interview is winding down. But before we wrap this up, was there anything about the Sam Bridger sort of universe, multiverse, maybe uh, that we didn't ask that you wanted to tell us? Oh, we've covered a lot about Sam. Um, Yeah, there is there is one thing. Um, the Sam Bridger universe is chock full of stealthy and sometimes not so stealthy pop culture references. Um, I mean, I was pushing really hard to get Crossways published back when Ready Player One came out because we had so many of similar things going on since Sam Bridger's universe starts. Well, the Crossways starts in 1984. Um, so you're, you're going to have to deal with some old references. You're going to have to deal with some, a lot of fun pop culture. Um, and Sam Bridger's story tends to be where people dare me the most. Like the Tween universe, which is basically all cartoon. Um, somebody, uh, actually it was uh, William Joseph Roberts from Free Evans Publishing that, that dared me to include Muppets in the Carpe Dentum story. So... Uh, I literally have Waldorf and Statler in human form um, as moonshiners, as as Sam's cousins, um, and I think we I think we ran through six Muppets in that one, including one that was a combination of Animal and Steve Buscemi. Um, so, what was that? I said, "Oh my!" Oh my! Yes. So if, if you're Sam is a check-your-brain-at-the-door kind of story. I mean, yeah, I still do multi-layer, and there's still deeper stuff in there. But but he's meant for a fun date, just just a fun date. Um, and, and you should go in expecting to enjoy and not take Sam or even maybe his flaws too, too seriously. Because we'll, we're fixing the flaws as, as the story goes on. But he's just such an upbeat, loves everybody, and and maybe he's a bit of a doofus about you know old philosophies that that you know society is mostly outgrown at this point, but but he never means means ill. 
Okay. So this is the part of the interview, dear listener, where I remind you to please be kind and speak your mind on the reviewing platforms. Your reviews help the right readers find the right book. So do your part. It's sort of a symbiotic relationship. The authors write the books, the readers review the books, and other readers read the reviews to buy the books because they are so compelled to do so. So it helps seriously when when you share your thoughts, tell a friend, tell two friends, tell 10 friends when you like a book. All right. And on that happy note, go ahead. And Crossways is the only book I've got that's in KDP Select available for Kindle Unlimited. So I don't know how long the publisher will keep it there since I tend to be a wide author. So if you've got KU, get in there and read this thing. Okay. And on that note, um, you can find his link to his uh, Amazon page to get said book uh, in the show notes, but Michael J. Allen, can you tell listeners where you are most active on your social media? So, and all of them are obviously linked in the show notes. Uh, I am most active in, in the new discord server that the readers asked for. Um, we are doing, um, I, I do well. Okay. So right now I'm blind. Um, and we're working out a, a way to deal with this, but I've been doing um, readings and uh, Q and A's once a month. And uh, one of those also for Patreon supporters. And then we're also doing a watch with me where I, I pull really old, horrible science fiction and fantasy off my DVD collection and just watch it and let you guys come over and you make snarky comments with me or whatever. So I'm going to say Discord is probably the best place to find me. Um, and I'm always in there answering questions. And, and I'm trying to – and for young writers, we've got a small writing community there too. Um, and we, we'd love to have you. Make so which noise. is cooler, your Discord channel or Mystery Science Theater 3000 when it comes to snark? Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with probably Mystery Science um, because uh, I, I still have to be, you know, me. I can't say <laughs> okay. absolutely everything. Um, and yourself. Some of the, I got it. So I, I, yeah, well, that's the fun part of being a writer, right? You, you can't always say your mind because you're in public. <laughs> well, I guess enough, you could always say your mind, but you know, rants on rant you you ranting at somebody, and I'm not saying for me specifically, but I've I've seen videos of other writers ranting at some poor cashier because of something stupid. Um, and you know, it really works out for, quite the way they think it will. Well, you know, and and we all we all have our moments where where we are so embroiled in our emotions that we're not thinking about the fact that. Somebody else has their own issues and they're not necessarily at fault. But, you know, as, as somebody who's trying to inspire goodness and hope, which is, you know, what I, I like to do, um, I, I check myself very carefully to make sure that I don't water down that message. That's fair. There's enough negativity. I, I, don't, in like the world. To, I don't like to criticize writers. Um, I, if, um, if you, some, you see me criticizing a writer on a panel somewhere, it's because I've either been kidnapped and abducted at gunpoint, or I'm trying to tell you I've been kidnapped and abducted by gunpoint, or somebody's body snatched me, because I just won't do it. Body snatching. Now, that's your next uh, your next horror story. Um, already ahead of you. 
Uh oh. All right. All right. We'll have to have you back for that one too. Cause that sounds interesting. All right. And on that happy note, you can find us on the Twitters where all the cool things happen at twitter.com backslash SF underscore fantasy underscore show Sierra Foxtrot underscore fantasy underscore show. You can email the podcast at blasters and blades podcast at gmail.com again, blasters and blades podcast at gmail.com. You can join us on Facebook where all the shenanigans happen at facebook.com backslash groups backslash a blasters and blades podcast again backslash groups backslash a blasters and blades podcast we do have a facebook page but we need more of you to go over there and follow it so we can get a dedicated url so uh go over there on the uh facebook's type it in the little search bar blasters and blades podcast and when you see the page click it follow it do your part people um and we have a website anchor.fm backslash a blasters tack and tack blades again anchor.fm backslash blasters tack and tack blades where you can also support the show for as little as 99 cents a month you can help keep the lights on or you could support the show more directly over at buymeacoffee.com backslash author jr hanley again buymeacoffee.com backslash author jr hanley be sure to put in the comment section that it is for the podcast and i promise i will keep my co-host doc seska and nick garber duly caffeinated they will drink until their liver explodes wait doc you're the science person is it your liver that would explode from too much caffeine or what your heart i don't know help me out here We'll just go with sure because I don't want to feel like dealing with it tonight. All right. We'll have the science lesson some other time, people. And on that happy note, Doc, bring us home. <laughs> Thank you for spending some of your precious time with us. For the absent Nick Garber and the Adelbrain JR Handley, I'm Seska. This was the Blasters and Blades podcast. We'll be back next time. Same place, same place where all the cool podcasts are. Um. Thank you for joining us, and don't forget to put pineapple on your pizza. Heresy! It's great.